Streaming from Abby Cat Recording Studio in Chicago. You are listening to Influence, a podcast where we explore what makes great music influential. Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the time. Are you gathering up the tears? Have you had enough of mine? You've been telling me you're a genius since you were 17. And all the time I've known you, I still don't know what you mean. The weekend at the college didn't turn out like you planned. The things that pass for knowledge I can't understand. Are you reeling in the years? All right, welcome to Influenced. I'm Blake Sokoloff. And I'm Robert Dean. It's good to be back. This week we're doing uh, Steely Dan, one of the kind of seminal jazz rock bands of all time and definitely one of the biggest bands of the 70s. Yeah, definitely. They started in uh, 72 and they were actually uh, friends in Bard College and that's where they played in their uh, their original band. I think it was called the Leather Canary. Nice. And Bard College is uh is that that's over East Coast. Yeah, right? it's northeast. Nice. Exactly. And uh one other little tidbit on that is Chevy Chase went to Bard College. The actor, comedian and he uh he played drums for um the Leather Canary, but he he quit the band because he didn't think they were very good. Huh. <laughs> and I mean, they became Steely Dan. Well, sometimes that happens. Yep. I mean, they're definitely one of the like kind of seminal bands of the sound, and they're they really revolutionized production and like taking production seriously, especially bringing the like jazz big band vibe of uh, creation to like rock and roll music and pop music. And yeah. like their first record, Can't Buy a Thrill, which we just heard. Uh, the the lead single off of uh, Reeling in the Years um, came out in 1972, and it's like, it was like one of the first times that they had like been in a recording studio, and like they they worked with like as many musicians as they possibly could, like they able to finally for the for, for kind of the first time work with like a lot of professional like like session musicians, and like there's saxophones and flugelhorns and like a lot of different crazy backing vocals and stuff all over the all over that record and that was kind of their first taste of like oh wow we're we're a band that's getting some money to make some records now maybe we can like have some fun stuff and put a lot of the put a lot of the stuff we want to have uh on these albums into the into the records and really making really making the sound like cohesive and like I know Donald Fagan talks a lot about in like the early days. One of their biggest things was they were just like kind of bored with like pop music at the time because in their eyes it would just be like, oh, they would have one cool idea and then repeat that one cool idea into oblivion. And 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 in 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 their eyes, with their once they kind of got into the studio and could kind of craft these these textures, they realized that they could kind of make songs that. Like, instead of just having one one or two cool parts that repeat and ad nauseum until four minutes are up or whatever, they could have a song that, much like a lot of their, like, the jazz and stuff that they, they grew up listening to, like, they talk about being very into jazz. And, uh, like, artists like Duke Ellington and Count Basie and stuff like that, they talk about how, like, how in that those big band jazz kind of recordings, it would be like there wouldn't just be like one cool lick that repeats every every couple uh, every couple of minutes. It would be like there's 
a lot of really awesome parts that develop kind of over time and the the pieces of music unfold kind of as one piece of music kind of over over the span of however many minutes long the track is instead of just like oh there's a cool idea and then the verse and then the nice cool idea again and then the second verse it's like they they can kind of craft these pieces of music that evolve a lot more like uh a big band jazz tune might uh evolve so here's a a section of uh Duke Ellington's the single petal of a rose also like the queen's suite kind of one of his more well-known works and definitely something that they were taking influence from kind of in the early days when they first were beginning to write songs. So obviously you can hear while you while even though that is like a very somber piece, like there's still that undergoing development where like the, the the song starts out with that very sparse piano melody that keeps like that that continually starts growing and getting more complex and more kind of all over the place. And then you start getting more layers of instrumentation like the cellos and other strings start to come in. And that, so that kind of development is definitely something that like Steely Dan wanted to use in kind of a pop atmosphere and cram just even more stuff into, into their songs and just like really put like as much, as much into everything as they could possibly like cram. It's a very kind of also like inspired by like, Phil Spector would kind of have this massive wall of sound across of like a lot of the a lot of his music where like in like a lot of the Ronette songs, there would be four guitar players and three piano players and and uh, like double in the orchestra. Like while Steely Dan wasn't necessarily using that intensive a wall of sound kind of production style or way of writing their songs they definitely were very inspired by that like kind of throw everything that they have at their disposal into the into the songs so like they can really really develop to the capacity that they 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 can so here's real quick just a little bit of be my baby by the ronettes to kind of give you a little bit of that phil specter uh style song writing or production style that definitely was inspiring a little bit of that um grandeur in the steely dan tracks of the like mid mid 70s and early 80s So obviously you can really hear that that especially for when that song came out in the in the 60s that was like max max punch in that whole orchestra behind mm-hmm. that pop track is like about as 
about as big as you could make something sound when that when that came out. And I think Steely Dan was definitely like really responded to stuff production techniques like that and just making songs sound really big if the if the emotions were trying to make the song sound really big or if the production w- warranted that so i think like the the Sealy dan production style is very indebted to like phil specter and that kind of and also like a lot of other artists of that time like brian wilson and mm-hmm. Br- george george martin with the beatles and right. that kind of all of that production definitely very much inspired uh, Steely Dan and their like search for the 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 perfect like studio recording really, and that's something they really took seriously to the point of like in the mid seventies they kind of retired as a live band and mm-hmm. would just they they relegated themselves just to the studio because that's where they felt most comfortable and where they felt like they could adhere to their craft the best, um, and like that's when they kind of started turning out albums like pretzel logic and um some of their other albums like the royal scam and katie lied some of their like peak kind of mid-70s albums yeah you know i i think about pretzel logic you know it's a great album uh you know that's right that was 1974 it's their third album and it actually uh was uh the right around that same time that you just talked about that you know, they just wanted to be a studio band. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. so like Ricky Don't Lose That Number was on that album. Definitely. Yeah, uh, it's, a there's, it's a big, big hit for them. A little, you know, a little bit more minor hit of sorts was uh, Any Major Dude Will Tell You. Uh, I, that's just a great album. Definitely, um, yeah. But I would say for sure Ricky Don't Lose That Number was the big, the big Definitely. song. Definitely. And they also, they were also kind of... Um, Wearing their jazz influence on their sleeve on albums like Pretzel Logic, like they covered, uh, like East St. Louis Toodaloo mm-hmm. is a, uh, a Duke, Duke Ellington, Ellington song. Yeah. Yep. So, like, they were definitely wearing their jazz influence very heavily on their their sleeve, and even going so far as to cover a jazz song on a rock and roll album is definitely not something you see every day. But here's Ricky Don't Lose That Number off of the 1974 album Pretzel Logic. can really hear like how how the attention to detail and just like the fidelity and recording of those songs is is so is so high and like that's definitely like a very very jazz influenced thing like every every instrument is very distinctly in its place in the in the mix and in the song like, you can definitely hear that they're like trying to try really trying their hand at like studio experimentation with all the like extra auxiliary sounds and stuff that they come in and out of that song, like the little chimes that just pop in like once or twice and all the strings and extra instrumentation that they added to that track just to like really, really bring out the, the, the style. And like, I mean, obviously one of the things we haven't taught, we haven't touched on. That's like a major part of the Steely Dan's like kind of sound and vibe is their like 
their lyrics, which are obviously always like they kind of always borderline on like the absurd or very ironic or very mm-hmm. almost comedic in a in a sense. And uh, so that's definitely they definitely were one of the ma- I mean, main reasons for that is they took a lot of influence from a lot of authors, especially like a lot of uh, the the quote unquote like beat generation authors like like Kurt Vonnegut and William S. Burroughs and stuff like that being very, very big influences on the band and just like the um like the way that they write songs is very like kind of telling of that like that time and a lot of the the topics they write about in their lyrics are very very much touch on like the topics that the they would touch on in the B generation kind of uh novels and and poems and things as well like uh William S. Burroughs, like, Naked Lunch played, like, a pretty big influence just, like, on the band. Um, Both, I mean, like, uh, literally and, um, like, I guess metaphorically just, like, as an influence. But um, they they also took a lot of influence just, like, musically from, like, the, uh, like, kind of lyrical, like, content from artists like Frank Zappa um, like in who, like, especially in the later sixties, early seventies was very well known for being like absurdist and like, especially on his like 1974 album apostrophe, like it opens with a song called don't eat the yellow snow. And like the third track is called St. Alfonso's pancake breakfast. So obviously <laughs> these songs are very absurd. They definitely took a lot of influence from Frank Zappa's work and like, especially like Frank Zappa's music. In addition to just like the very comical and absurd lyrics, is Frank Zappa's music is very, very unique and very like jazz and big band influenced as well, and kind of a different way than Steely Dan's music is uh, kind of influenced by that those similar styles. But it's they definitely felt some kind of kinship with Frank Zappa and uh, kind of the music that he was making in the in the seventies as well. So here's Saint Alfonso's pancake breakfast off of Frank Zappa's 1974 album Apostrophe. At St. Alfonso's pancake breakfast Where I stole the margarine And wheedled on the bingo cards and blew up the latrine I saw a handsome parish lady Make her entrance like a queen Why she was totally chenille and her old man was a marine All right, so yeah, that was uh, St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast off of Apostrophe. So obviously that's a pretty absurdist track. Um, <laughs> but that is definitely like something that Steely Dan looked looked to a lot. And like they were they were some kind of some wild guys in their, in their youth. And so they definitely also were like very inspired by the like absurdity of like that music and just like how crazy it was for how popular it was at the time um, they were also very influenced uh s- sort of also along the lines of like the absurdist uh and just like more surreal aspects of like their the steely dan music but they were very influenced by this late 60s early 70s kind of political rock band called the fugs that was sort of started by um some people who were like kind of involved with like the beat generation as well like very inspired by artists like that but they the the fugs were very political um in that they like a lot of their music was like to protest the vietnam war and things like that but they always like kind of 
And so like a lot of the songs would be about like the government or like like getting high in Vietnam or things like that. But um, the the lyrics would always kind of take like a weird, sarcastic, silly look at the uh, situation. So here's CIA Man by the Fugs. That also was a big a big kind of play into the um, irony that Steely Dan like would seek after in their in their lyricism a lot. But here's CIA man. Who can kill a general in his bed? Overthrow dictators if they're red. Fucking A man. CIA man. Who can buy a government so cheap? Change a cabinet without a squeak. Fucking A man. Well, for all those Steely Dan fans out there, Blake, I think you've kind of helped them understand where some of those lyrics were coming from. Yeah, definitely. Um, And, you know, I I think that um, very impressively, they followed up Pretzel Logic in 75 and 76 with Katie Light and the Royal Scam before their quintessential Asia album. Definitely. just you know what what uh, what I think about is all those great studio musicians that they hired in those years in the mid seventies. For example, that almost the entire uh, Katie Lyde album, um, Jeff Picaro played drums. Is just a great studio drummer back in those days. They had Michael McDonald as a backup singer on Asia. I mean, you know, they were yeah. just really oh, hiring yeah. the best of the best. Definitely, and also like like uh, also on Asia, like Steve Gadd who is, like, another, like, very, very famous drummer. Like, he's played with everyone from, like, Paul McCartney to, like, Aretha Franklin and, like, one of the, also one of the, like, best session drummers of all time. So they really kind of by the, by the time they're in their later portion of their career, they were really, like, determined to, like, make sure that all their songs are being played by the absolute, like, best musicians that could be playing them. Like, Walter Becker wouldn't necessarily even play guitar on a, right. on a Steely Dan song. Uh, like, he doesn't play on, like... Like, he still is credited with, like, writing the songs, but he doesn't yeah. play on, like, two or three of the tracks on Asia just because he felt like there were session players around that could play it better than he could just because they were session players. And, right. You know, like, so they, they were definitely, like, they didn't have, like, egos of, like, oh, I need to make sure that I'm playing the all the guitar solos on this this track. It's, like, they just wanted to make the best music they possibly right. could. And because of that, they were, like, let's just have, let's just work with the uh, best people that we can and our favorite musicians. And, like, they even though that meant, like, the only two official members of Steely Dan would ever be like Donald Fagan and Walter Becker that they would like each time they made an album, they could have a chance to work with some of their new favorite musicians yeah. and like off of like, I'll, I'll play a track off Asia real quick here, like peg, but uh Steve Gadd plays like the drums on this song peg. And I believe he played the drums on this song in like one take. And it's oh, like, wow. uh, like, one of the, like I think it's his first take of the song. So like the Steve Gadd was just like sat down at the drum kit, one take of the song, and that's it. Mm. So like that's the kind of those are the kind of musicians that they were working with by the the later the later half of their career in the in the in the eighties especially or in the late seventies especially. 70s, yeah. Uh, but um, so here's Peg off of Asia, but just like with 
so many fantastic musicians. It's no wonder that they made an album as fantastic and as timeless as Asia uh, and kind of the cultivate cultivation of their of their career. But here's here's Peg off that record from 1977. those rich vocals in the background from michael mcdonald unbelievable on that song definitely yeah it's very it's super impressive just who all they were working with kind of in the by the end of their career in the in the 80s but like they definitely had like a very very storied kind of career and just like very very influential just kind of in the like i mean they're definitely one of the biggest like kind of bands to ever really be like yeah you can be like as sophisticated as a jazz band but still be a a kind of pop rock band and that's Mm -hmm. definitely something that like a lot of bands these days kind of strive for like there's one one band specifically snarky puppy uh kind of a jazz uh fusion band that has like a million members but they've (laughs) been they've been at it since like the mid-2000s but they've they definitely kind of take that uh, Steely Dan kind of attitude of like want, wanting everything to be sonically perfect and everything like that and having a very jazzy and um, uh, pop rock oriented sound is very cool. And like, yeah, I'll play uh, Lingus uh, from Snarky Puppy here in just a second. But um, and they definitely also take a lot of that kind of weird vocal irony, kind of the silly lyrics that kind of only makes sense if you like really know the band's kind of story and mm-hmm. band's dynamic. Yeah. But um so Steely Dan's influence is kind of shown throughout throughout the uh the music history since they've kind of been a, a major player in in things. And they've still continued to tour to this day. I mean obviously Walter Becker passed away a couple, uh, yeah. couple uh, years ago, unfortunately. But yeah. Donald Fagan still still touring, uh, still touring with the Steely Dan to this day, and they're definitely still playing good venues. So there's definitely still a healthy amount of people who want to see the Steely Dan songs as uh, close to original as you can you can get. But uh, here's Lingus by Snarky Puppy, kind of one of the more apparent extensions of the Steely Dan kind of influence, I would say. Obviously, you can hear that very direct Steely Dan influence. Just even the drums sound like mm-hmm. almost something that could have been could have been off Asia. Definitely, like uh, very, very, very Steely Dan influence. Just like the the jazzy instrumentation and uh, everything like that. But like one of the biggest ways that Steely Dan has been mostly influential in a, like a very, very big way is like their 
their the the way that they've been sampled by other artists. Like the Steely Dan themselves were kind of one of the the first people to sort of play with quote unquote sampling in that like they wouldn't necessarily sample on that the way that we think of sampling today, but they would use like quotes from jazz songs or someone they would have one of their saxophone players play a a saxophone riff from a famous jazz song and mm-hmm. put it in one of their songs. So that's like they would they they had a very famous uh like in Gaucho off the album off the album Gaucho they they kind of used one of the riffs from a uh, Keith Jarrett uh song who was like a, a famous jazz jazz player at the time like they they essentially used one of his riffs and like that's basically an early early version of sampling yeah. uh but Steely Dan's music has been sampled by like almost every big hip hop artist in the in the game like I'll play uh champion off uh to Kanye West 2007 album graduation that samples the Steely Dan song King Charlemagne mm-hmm. but um they've been I'm just on um whosample.com right now and going down the list uh like De La Soul sampled Peg um Wiz Khalifa sampled Josie Ice Cube sampled Green Earrings mm. um John Legend sampled the Boston Rag. So hmm. so Steely Dan samples have been all over hip hop. They were definitely one of the most sampled artists kind of in the in the genre just because they had and that's definitely like a part of like their they were using so many incredible session musicians that there's so many parts in their song, so many amazing drum breaks to be sampled, so many amazing horn samples so many amazing backing vocals that can be manipulated and and done cool things with so that's really a testament to like the production that steely dan was bringing that like they're steely dan the donald fagan and walter becker two of the whitest guys (laughs) probably in the music industry and they're just like a bunch of silly jazz kids but they definitely knew like kind of where to where to grab cool sounds from and where to create cool sounds and that's definitely something a lot of a lot of really cool hip hop artists and groundbreaking hip hop artists have kind of picked up on and like wanted to incorporate into their own music. So here's Champion by Kanye West, which has a pretty, pretty uh, well known King Charlemagne sample in it. But here's Champion off of the album Graduation by Kanye West. Did you Yes, I did. So I packed it up and brought it back to the crib. Just a little something, show you how we live. Everybody want it, but it ain't that serious. Mm-hmm. That's that shit. So if you gon' do it, do it just like this. Did you realize that you were a champion? You don't see just how wild the crowd is. You don't see just how fly my style is. I don't see why I need a stylist when I shot someone. So obviously, like, not everyone can be make music that gets goes on to be sampled by Kanye West. So it really just goes to show you that Steely Dan have a much wider influence than one might initially think from just like a jazz rock band from the 70s. But they definitely were one of the biggest bands in like production in the 20th century. And like their their albums definitely still get used to this day as one of the major like albums in for use in like reference tracks and recording studios and even just to like test sound systems to make sure they sound good a lot of a lot of djs will still use tracks off asia just because they sound that clean Mm -hmm. and they sound that 
you can tell the separation of all the instruments is exactly where it needs to be. So they definitely were one of the first artists to really spend that time to make sure it's the recording was where they wanted it to be before before the before it was released. So their their legacy is is much wider than one might initially think for for the the amount of um praise they they get in the in the mainstream media but they definitely earned their influence and they're definitely one of the cooler almost hidden influences kind of in the music industry at large just mm-hmm. through their through their influence and sampling and everything so yeah i would just say um just to add to that i mean they sound amazing through your Abby Cat recording uh, monitors here in your control room. It's a, you know, so I'm kind of enjoying, you know, listening to some of these songs off of Asia. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a little bit about Asia. I mean, it's almost how do you follow up from that? They took three years off. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Took three years off and then um, obviously came out with Gaucho and um, which, and then they broke up a year later. So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, that that was just a huge pinnacle of of their career at that point. Definitely, yeah. So to kind of close things off, I'll uh, leave it with the uh, title track of their last record, Gaucho. So here's Gaucho off Gaucho from 1980 by Steely Dan. I've been uh, Blake Sokoloff. And I'm Robert Dean. And this has been Influenced. Uh, Thank you so much. Just when I say, boy, we can't miss you. I go